HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by MOFAD, the Museum of Food and Drink, inspiring public curiosity about food. Learn more at mofad.org. I'm HRN's Executive Director, Katie Mosman-Wadler, with a preview of this week's episode of Meet and 3, Heritage Radio Network's weekly food news roundup. This week, we're celebrating Black culture through the complicated lens of agriculture. We speak to Carla Hall about her uncompromising soul food recipes. And I was like, what am I doing? Why am I changing my family's history for another culture? We also hear from Gabriela Rodriguez at Harlem Grown's Youth Farm Uptown. About empowerment and, you know, community resilience building through this work. Um, food is kind of just a vehicle. Leah Penniman addresses feeling like an outsider in the farming community. I could count on my two hands the number of, of people who appeared to be POC, people of color. Mm-hmm. And so I literally would go around little slips of paper and, and, and say, hey, meet at one o'clock under this tree so we can talk. Tune in to this week's Meet and 3 on Heritage Radio Network. That's meet plus sign T-H-R-E-E, available wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey guys, I'm Jimmy Carboni, the host of Beer Sessions Radio. This is our special New York City Beer Week episode. We're going to go pretty deep today with uh, one, one of our longtime uh, guests and uh, the brewer owner of Big Alice, Mr. Kyle Hurst. How are you, sir? Awesome, Jimmy. We've got Thanks a great, great room in here tonight on Heritage Radio Network. We've got uh, Matt McCall from Coney Island Brewery and Kevin... And hey. Danny from Island to Island. Hey. And Danny, it's been special. We, we've had you on this whole month of February. Uh, it's really great having you here. You're doing a live Instagram. Thank um, you. That's pretty awesome. And Kevin, so great to see you, man. Nice uh, to see we you. really love this uh, New York City craft beer community. So this is a special show. Another reason it's special is Kyle, you know, you and I've, ever since you opened, you guys opened uh, Big Alice, the first small brewery back in 2013. And uh, you've been on a regular guest on shows. We've done a lot of specials together. So it's, it's a good buddy. You made my day, man. Uh, it's, it's good to see you, Jimmy. It's, it's been too long. Yeah, I'm happy to see you. But I want to just get, trace the arc. I think Big Alice is, is a good story for what's, what New York City you know, brewing has, has been through. 
Let's let's go back to the beginning. So 2013, when you guys opened, you were, if not the smallest, one of the smallest breweries in the whole city. But back then it was the norm. I remember that a guy on Long Island, Blind Bat, had opened with like a one-barrel system in his garage. And, and Richie Castagna at Bridge and Tunnel, the same thing, had these licensed garage breweries. And you guys were like part of a refrigeration company. And what what? tell us how you opened. What size brewery was that? So when we opened... Um, we were on, it's a, Sabco was the brand. It's uh, more or less converted, you know, half-barrel kegs. So, you know, full keg capacity is 50 to a half gallons. We yielded about 10 to 12 gallons per batch. Um, you know, when, when we started, we actually pre-sold all of our beer, like a CSA. We called ourselves a CSB. Uh, and for $200, you got two bottles a month from us. <laughs> and we pre-sold uh, 200 bottles every six months. Uh, so like a, like a CSA farm, we got, we got all the money up front, use that then to buy our ingredients and, uh, and, and make our beer. And we, back then, we were open two and a half hours a week. Uh, one, you know, every Friday, we were open from 5 to 7.30. You'd come pick up your share, your beer share. Uh, every now and then, we had a couple extra bottles to sell, maybe as many as a dozen. And... Uh, you know, uh, after three rounds of that, we realized uh, we had quite a long late, uh, waiting list, and maybe we should pursue this a little bit further. But you guys, it was like you guys, it was so quaint, and, you know, everything was small, very crafty back then. Quaint is a word for it, for <laughs> sure. <laughs> but, you know, there's something I loved about that. And um, you know, one of your beers was, it was a carrot beer, but it stood out because it's like, wow, what, what was the carrot beer? So it was a, a carrot and oat IPA, so a lot, a lot of oats in there, which is, you know, they're actually used predominantly now in, in uh, a lot of IPAs in the uh, you know in the East Coast here. But, you know, at the time, uh, we were taking, you know, fruits, vegetables, things we got from our, you know, CSAs that we were members of, and, you know, kind of whatever came in, uh, kind of like canning, whatever the flavors of the season were, we were brewing with them. You know, we, we did six or eight beers a month. We brewed one weekend a month. Um, and, you know, so as a result, we had you know, gotten carrots and, and uh, oats that week, and that's what went into our beer. So we, we didn't really know until we picked up, and then we'd figure out, all right, what do we have? We're going to make these beers, and how do we, you know, divvy these things up? And Kyle's smiling when he tells that story. It's a, it's a fun story, <laughs> yeah. And then that was a different time. It was 2013. I mean, it was like, what was the big the big turnaround? Was it 2014, the state changed something? Well, actually, it was uh, kind of the end of 2012, you know, the, the first laws were starting to change, and that's what, you know, kind of gave us the idea and the impetus to, you know, to get a license. We were brewing uh, uh, once a month anyway, and, you know, we were making five-gallon batches, and we're, uh, we thought, well, if, if we do 10-gallon batches and sell half of it, we more or less can get the public to pay for our hobby. So <laughs> th that was, all, you know, all we ever set out to do. That, that was our, our intention, but... It's funny, when we opened, we thought we were late. We're like, oh, we should have been open a year ago or a year and a half ago. And then we thought we were really behind the curve. And, uh, you know, we we thought we were at one point going to be the first brewery opening in Queens. I think many of us did because kind of it all happened, you know, right kind of late 2000. We actually got our license in 2012, but didn't brew our first beer until uh, 2013. But, yeah, it was, uh, you know, Rockaway open, single cut. And then it's unclear to me and Rich if, if Bridge and Tunnel was you know, third or us. And I guess it doesn't really matter. I think they may have been first to the public, uh, but, you know, we might have been first to brew. But, you know, if I'm wrong, I apologize to Rich. But you know, we've had this conversation. Neither one of us know for sure either. It's like deciding who who has the oldest bar in New York City. Is it McSorley's? Is it? Yeah, there's always a Ian caveat. Ian? Right, right. Um, yeah. One day that'll be you. will be like, what was the first brewery in New York City? 
Way back then. Well, oddly enough, the first brewery license in Queens wasn't any of us. It was Beyond Kombucha, if you remember those guys. Uh, so their kombucha had a half a percent alcohol, and they got the first brewery license. Uh, they ended up closing. Uh, I think the owner had moved out of state, but uh, you know they closed about a year or so after we were all open. But uh, they they did have the first uh, you know Queens you know, brewers license, and they were part of uh, Queens Beer Week back in the day. Wow! And then and back then it was uh, Coney Island Brewing uh, with Jeremy Cowan. He 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 was real good at promotions and marketing. He mostly was a contract brewer then, but he opened the world's smallest brewery. It was it was a in Coney Island. But what size was that then, Matt? Yeah, I think it was actually like a like a one gallon system. Like they were so even smaller than Big Al. Doing it in buckets, yeah. When uh, when Sandy came and you know did did its damage to to Coney Island, uh, Jeremy actually called us and said, "Congratulations, you're now the smallest brewery in New York City." <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> but I don't know if you heard anything about you know Matt. Now you've been the brewer at Coney Island Brewing now for. Well, like a year now? year and a half, yeah. Yeah. Have, have you heard anything about those early days? They weren't that long ago, but uh, they, they are kind of early days. Yeah, so interestingly enough, I mean, um, you know, not so much from the source, but when I when I got hired at Coney Allen, I kind of watched some YouTube videos and, and kind of learning about Coney Allen history. And one of the first videos that pops up is, um, you know, uh, the, the old Coney Allen brewery where they had a one-gallon system that used to make uh, funnel cake ales and, and things of that nature and little buckets in there and called it the world's smallest brewery as part of the the freak show that they have down there on the on the corner there yeah the biggest guy making the smallest beer right? <laughs> that's right <laughs> wow and then kevin and danny so like just to take us back just give us a quick a quick little overview again about when you guys opened because you're out in flatbush brooklyn kind of like what the climate was like then um just just to give us how set the story a little bit uh, we opened in phases. So we started back in 2014. We started in an 8x8 eight eight container, you know, fighting with the city to figure out who we were and what we were and what jurisdiction we were under. And it was like an official grand opening launch 2017. And the climate out there in Flatbush was not craft beer at all. Like, people were like, what do you mean you make your own beer? How long is it going to take for me to get a beer? Like, I got to wait two weeks to get a beer. It's like, no, no, no. We're just going to pull this handle and you'll have a beer in an instant. So, and it's been changing because we live in a neighborhood, not live, I don't live there anymore. <laughs> we um work in a neighborhood where um it's it's changing so rapidly. There's new people coming in, there's old people going out, and I don't mean that in terms of age. I mean there's just a lot of turnover, especially with New York City building up, which is constantly doing. That neighborhood is currently part of the new development, and so we've got new minds coming in, people who are open. They want to explore the neighborhood and find out what's going on, and that's where we've really been able to tap into the market for the people who are looking for something new and different and a yeah. reason to belong to that community. No, that's great. And so the next steps of you know starting out but so now um you know kyle you guys always were at the forefront you know to me like i said you've participated in radio shows and, and special events and in the brewers guild since day one i mean when when and what did you guys do next so you started off with this like 10 10 10 gallon system and what was the next step for you guys and so next step after that uh, like i said we we got this long waiting list and decided you know we should you know maybe look into doing this as uh you know as, as a you know, as a career, as a, as a bigger project than what uh, we'd set up to do brewing once a month and uh, opening two and a half hours a week. Um, so it was kind of right around our one-year anniversary being open to the public, which uh, would have been June of 2014. Uh, we ended up finding a brew pub in Stamford, Connecticut that was you know, near the end of a 10-year lease and not renewing it. So we, we kind of went up there. I think they were calling the landlord's bluff and you know, hoping they could keep the space at a lower rate. 
turns out, you know, he wasn't bluffing. Uh, so it turned out to be a great deal for us, uh, but we had to get the equipment out before the, the end of the release. So we kind of got there at the beginning of the month. We had a couple of weeks to get it out for a set price. Uh, fortunately, my business partner uh, you know, uh, owns the H, uh, an HVAC Richie. company, uh, and he knows riggers. So we got a rigger up there in a couple of weeks, pulled everything up. All the, the tanks were up in, in mezzanines, so we had to you know get equipment down, get it all on a flatbed. And, uh, and I'm and not, I've, I've, seen, I've seen videos of, of guys with rigging loading giant HVAC systems on roofs. I mean, I guess those guys know what they're doing, right? Yeah, yeah. They, they close streets down to make that stuff happen. So, you know, getting some, you know, bringing equipment out. And and even that, when, when we made that first expansion, um, you know, it was, uh, it was five, it's a five-barrel brew house. I think we had two five-barrel fermenters, two eights. We were told they were tens, but if we put ten in there, we had a mess on the floor. Mm. Um, so we got those out, and then it came with seven serving tanks. So we ended up with 11 tanks in, in total. Um, and then we kind of annexed uh, a little additional space from the landlord. So when we started out, our space was uh, 1,024 uh, 24 square feet. So we had about 1,000 square feet. We, we added 180 square feet with that expansion, which was awesome. Uh, so that gave us a place to refrigerate and uh, you know, serve beer. So then we added a, a tap room. Initially, we, so we went from two and a half hours on Friday to Friday, Saturday, Sunday. After a few months of that, we went to five days a week. And then how, how did your brewing and, and the, the products you were making change once you got that so, kind of like basic system? Yeah, so when we started that, that, that Sabco system we were talking about, we did 141 different beers. And every time we brewed, it was a one-off. Like I said, we, we got the ingredients from, uh, you know, from our CSA or a local food co-op, and then we'd figure out what we were going to brew. So we were always doing one-offs. Um, the, you also made a lot of like in, like I would say interesting beers like a lot of stronger beers interesting stuff yeah, things plus, that for me were too almost undrinkable they were so strong sometimes we averaged about eleven percent I think the biggest beer we ever made was fifteen point three um, but yeah we had, we had so some, Matt you have no idea <laughs> you get the special bottle everyone's what I would do at Jimmy's forty three I'd do a, a big Alice bottle night and I would open a couple of bottles and be like this is great man eleven percent stout. It probably you know, we gave them all style names, but they probably were all barley wines at the end at the end of the day. But uh, yeah, really big beers, uh, you, know, you know, boozy, um, you know, really malt forward, and and while that kind of worked for us at, at that stage, it, it wasn't awesome, uh, you know, for a long term. Uh, we, once we opened a tap room, we wanted people to sit down and have more than one beer, uh, you know, with, without you know getting ill or, or, or too drunk to uh, to leave our space. So. We, we dialed that back. Uh, so initially, we introduced a, a few new beers and a couple of favorites from that uh, from the uh, old system. Um, we the, the first beer we repeated ended up being our, our jalapeno rye, and I brought a version of it tonight. But uh, the, the reason we ended up being that our first regular beer is the lines, uh, the draft lines from uh, putting a jalapeno beer through it uh, ended up getting stained. And we had it in a 10-barrel serving tank, which was equivalent to 20 kegs. And by the time we tried to put something else on, the uh, even though we cleaned the lines, the damage was beyond repair. We That's we, it. we were talking about it before. We're gonna we're gonna jump ahead and talk about that later because I know Matt's smiling and Danny's smiling. So delicious! You know I can't wait that. to try the barrel aged one. <laughs> oh my god! But let's jump over. So Matt, you know, since the time you've come into Coney Island, um, just I, we had you on last week, but give us a recap. So you guys are at the the minor league baseball stadium in Coney Island. There's a brewery there, right? And um, si- since you've been there, what, what what changes have you made there? Yeah, so I mean, uh, you know, changes are, are always happening. Um, 
in Coney Island in general. Um, right now they have our, our entire street ripped up, uh, replacing storm drains and things. After Sandy happened, um, you know, they realized the infrastructure just wasn't ready to handle, um, you know, that kind of flooding. It was about six feet up um, in our current space, the water was. So uh, that going on with the new construction, uh, they're putting up all kinds of apartment buildings and stuff. Um, uh, they decided to, to replace all the, the drainage systems and the water mains and all that, which is awesome. It's going to be great when it's done, but right now it's kind of a mess. So we actually had to kind of close down for a month because of it. Um, but outside of that, um, you know, uh, our space since I've been there uh, and since we've been there, I should say, is 1,500 square feet, uh, not much bigger than what you got at Big Alice. Um, and our, our tap room is probably about 500 of that. So it's really small. We can only fit eight people inside. Uh, but we recently took over the space next to us, uh, which is about 3,000 square feet. So uh, that's all going to be a retail space. We're knocking down some walls in a couple months here and hope to be ready by June for it. But it's going to open up a lot more options for us, um, not only to get more people in the door, but uh, to kind of not be such a seasonal brewery because when you can only fit 10 people in your tap room at a time in the winter, it kind of makes a, makes it difficult to, to have any kind of events or reason for people to come Do you down. you know when Coney. the Coney Island Mermaid parade is uh it's in june i believe it is june 15th don't quote me on that i'll have to look it up during the break but yeah. that's that's the day to go out there maybe yeah. and maybe not for uh, the, the the faint of heart but it's a it's a great thing that's a phenomenal time. So, and danny and um so like again when you guys first started you know i know you had certain visions of what you were going to make i think you were also making like caribbean inspired juice fermented drinks what did you find it, it, back then was the, the the easiest thing to sell, the thing that people were most willing to buy? Dallas, Kevin, come on. Yeah, come on. Kevin, you came all the way from <laughs> Texas. Come on. I've been waiting for you for two weeks. So I think the easiest thing for us to sell was the our sorrel-infused IPA, um, which was hopped like a regular IPA, dry hopped, but it had a little honey and sweet finish to it. Um, that people really enjoyed, but still had that aroma and uh, bitterness from the hops. So I think that one was... Yeah, that was the easiest. Yeah, that was the easiest to sell. That was uh, the Mighty Sparrow. And then we had another one that was called uh, the beer that Marlon does order, which was literally a regular ass beer. Like, that was what it said on the menu, regular ass beer. Tastes like beer? Yeah, yeah. just tastes like beer. It's just like plain old beer. Nothing special. I think it was like a blonde. It was nothing special about it. It was just, it was balanced. It was just a good beer. So people was like, oh, you sell beer. Like, yeah. And then we were like, we also make it. And then that confused them. But it was a regular beer, so, yeah. They were good. It was, it was a good replacer to, like, a Corona. Yeah, that's good. And Kyle, let's keep going forward with you, man. So, um you know, you guys had the new system. You had your tap room open, and um, you know what? What beers were, were moving for you guys? How did you guys evolve from those s- single large bottles, eleven percent beer? So when we first started, you know, we we still tried to do bigger beers. Well, we weren't doing the eleven percent and the fifteen percent anymore. Uh, we did a, a, a honey uh, wheat beer that still checked in at about nine percent, and. You know, so all of that, you know, kind of made it. We did a uh, gunpowder tea beer that was, you know, also probably nine and a half, and all of that was great, and uh, people loved it. But I don't think they loved the beer as much as they loved the alcohol content. Um, but we, for the first probably year of our having our tap room, we didn't sell any IPAs. I was, I was kind of making a point, you know, but I was mm-hmm. cutting off my nose to spite my face because uh, no matter what you have on, to you know, to Kevin's point, you know, your best selling beer is going to be your IPA because that's what the public knows. So when it, we had people, we finally got to the point where people were coming in, they were looking at our, our draft list, which is, 
you know, really, you know, diverse and all these different things going on, but there were no IPAs. So people, you know, after somebody actually walked out without buying anything, I'm like, you don't like craft beer? Yeah, but I don't like IPAs. I'm like, you know, I really kind of yeah. cringed at that. I'm like, you're kind of missing the point because there's a really a lot to really like and enjoy. Yeah. Um, and, and the reason I did that was, like, you know, as Americans, we were raised, you know, watching, you know, the, the macro beer commercials. And I don't remember which brand it was anymore, but there was the, the bitter beer face commercial. <laughs> so, you know, so we've been programmed to think that bitter is bad. And I love craft beer. And I didn't want somebody who was new to craft beer to, to be their introduction to craft beer to be an IPA. So if you've only drank, you know, American lagers, and then your introduction to what we do is an IPA, you're gonna be like, nope, not for me, and and never come back. Yeah. Uh, so I was I was really trying to avoid that, and, and like I said, I was I was trying to make a, make a point, and, and it was foolish of me. But so we started. Now we do a, a, a wider variety of, of beers, and, and including a, you know, a couple of different IPAs. And quick, what are we drinking? Because this is somewhere so, to get to in the show. The New York nice segue, Smash Jimmy. Beer. Yeah, so we're we're drinking our Smash beer, which uh, you know the the educated consumer out there will know that a, a Smash is a single malt and single hop. Uh, for New York City Beer Week, the New York City Brewers Guild does a uh, a brew every year that's uh, state malts and state hops. So the, this IPA is 100% New York State uh, malts and hops. In fact, it's uh, part of a five-way collaboration we did with uh, our uh, maltster, our hop farmer, and then uh, two other breweries in Brooklyn, so uh, Endless Life and Strong Road Brewery. That's great, man. We're going to talk about so much more on the show. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. This episode is brought to you by MOFAD, the Museum of Food and Drink. Featuring a variety of interactive displays, MOFAD encourages eaters of all ages to be curious about food. The museum currently operates MOFAD Lab, a 5,000-square-foot experimental space in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, where Chow, making the Chinese-American restaurant, is currently on show until the end of March 2019. This exhibition celebrates the birth and evolution of Chinese-American restaurants, tracing their nearly 170-year history and sparking conversations about food culture, immigration, and what it means to be American. It highlights the evolution timeline of Chinese-American restaurant menus, dating back to 1910, and also highlights a tasting section where participants get to enjoy tastings created by the country's most talented chefs who specialize in Chinese-American cuisine. Make sure you check out Chow while you still can. The exhibition closes at the end of March 2019. Check out MoFAD's tastings and extensive event calendar at mofad.org events. Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio at the Heritage Radio Network. This is our 10th, 10th year, and uh, it's the 10th anniversary of Heritage Radio Network. And what I love is that every year I come in around this time, and uh, Roberta's Pizza is closed for the day because it's always their annual staff party. So you know Roberta's Pizza is a great place when they, they close one night a year and have a wild kick butt a wild and crazy staff time. party. So all the guys are coming in. They're just waking up. But we're here now. Roberta's Pizza. Big shout out to them now. This is our 10th anniversary of HeritageRadioNetwork.org. All right. So Kyle, we're, we're talking. Hey, celebrate and beer week. Um, as you were talking about IPAs in your tap room, 
both Kevin and Matt were nodding. So, um, Kevin, what were you going to say about it? I know you wanted to say something about it because you said the first beer that you, you really uh, had in your tap room that was selling was IPA. But Yeah. Um, we've learned very quickly that IPAs sell. So at one point, I think we had four on. We had an Imperial, uh, a New England, and then two others. I believe IPA stands for instant profits ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to put that on a can. <laughs> yeah, someone quick better trademark that one. <laughs> Actually, I got it from the New York State uh, Brewers Association, so I can't even uh, claim oh, that damn, myself. Copyrighted. Yeah. <laughs> what are we drinking next here? Hey, wait. But wait, let's, let's keep on. Matt? Um, yeah, so I think, um, you know, you know, personally, uh, going back to, to my roots, when I was coming out of college, uh, all I drank was, you know, kind of the, the macro beers that, you know, uh, we were talking about earlier. But um, the first craft beer that I ever had was an IPA. And I was like, this is awful. I don't like this. Was uh, it Flower Power? Uh, no. <laughs> I, I, no I, I happen to love Flower Power, but if that's your first IPA. Yeah, yeah no, that, that, would be, uh, that would be a bad one to have yeah. for your first one. Um, for the life of me, I can't remember what it was. Uh, probably a Sierra Nevada, uh, which happens to be one of my favorites now, which is kind of ironic. But, yeah, I just remember being like, this is just so bitter. How do people like this? And that's kind of how I felt about beer at first, too, I guess. So it's just kind of a progression uh, from... And uh, to your point, you know, anytime somebody's new to craft beer, when, especially at our brewery, they're like, oh, I don't like beer. I'm like, I bet you I got something for you. Let me let so me. What, what do you have for out. them? Um, normally, uh, since we're so seasonal, most of our traffic comes in the summer. I'll, I'll have at least a, one sour uh, or, um, you know, something light like our Kolsch uh, beach beer or our mermaid pills or something like that. That's it's really approachable. That's, uh, you know, not over the top in flavor, uh, but kind of. Um, and we, uh, there's a, a long-running joke at, uh, I'll probably get in trouble for saying this, but that's okay. Our Merman IPA, I always call our gateway IPA, because uh, it's the kind of the IPA that to lead you into other IPAs. Yeah. Um, and it's because it's not bitter. That wasn't, uh, so. I thought you were going to send offensive. Or? No, no. Well, you know. <laughs> I was ready to put the, Matt was going to put the beep on you. Yeah. <laughs> gateway, watch gateway out. Gateway IPA. And Kevin, what? what do you guys serve? So instead of the IPA, when someone's, uh, what was that beer you said? You have the... The regular beer? What's what is your regular beer? Um what is our regular well, beer that right was now? Different. It's sweet thing now? Yeah, so right now we have uh pale ale uh with a little bit of uh Simcoe and uh sorrel. It's just two grains, hop and sorrel and that's it. That's regular, nice, bright color and people love it. When you guys started, I remember Kevin. You you you're married, but you were you more of the brewer f- from the beginning. What? Or you both so were brewers? When we, or... when we first started, I don't know. Dan. Started a fight, Jimmy. <laughs> when we started, I thought she was uh, out of her mind. To be honest with you, um, I thought it would never work. I thought she was just making stuff up. But you know, I married her for a reason, and you know, I just stood by her and. You know, she was doing a lot of the brewing. She was doing a lot of the heavy lifting and the research. And then I don't know what happened. I guess she we had she had to go back to work and, you know, to fund the business. And I just started doing all that. And it just put a fire in me. And I just started making up stuff, not following any recipes, just throwing together what I think tastes good. Amen. 
Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to step, step us back to the, the, the first beer we're drinking, the, the smash beer. Again, uh, Kyle, what, what's that beer? So Big it's, Alice, what? it's a 100% New York State IPA. We, we called it agriculture uh, because it, it's brewed with, with our hop farmer, with our maltster. So it's, like I said, 100% New York State malts, hops, uh, two other breweries in Brooklyn. Strong Rope sat in uh, with you. Yep, uh, Strong Rope and Endless Life, who isn't open yet, but they'll be opening soon. Uh, so the five of us all got together and, and, and made this beer. Uh, you know, there's there's an argument out there uh, that we're looking to disprove that uh, you can't make a good IPA with New York State ingredients, and uh, we're hoping that we're proving that wrong with this beer. Yeah. Well, then on that note, um, just quickly, so Kevin, Danny, are you guys also a New York State uh, farm brewery license? Yes. And uh, what what are some other ingredients that you guys are using? And well, I actually want to get into talking about you know the quality ingredients um, and that aspect of, of buying in New York State? Yeah, right now we're using about 60% New York State grown ingredients. That's between grain, hops, and apples. Uh, some of our beers, most of our beers are about 100%. Uh, on the hops right now, we switched over to 100% hops just because we have to buy so much to work with the hop farmers. And I think that we, we came up with a nice mix that complements the style of beers we make, which are really fruit forward. Um, and then we do adjuncts that are only ingredients that grow in the Americas. So from Canada to Argentina, Mexico to the Caribbean, we focus on indigenous American ingredients as adjuncts outside of New York. Yeah. And Kevin, I mean, Kyle, earlier you were saying that um, just now New York State starting to actually audit and, and try to track really how this program has been doing. Right. So the, the farm law, the, the, the Farm Act that was passed uh, – I believe it was 2012 when that was passed, and, and we opened without it. We ended up switching early in 2013 to, to get our farm license. But um, until, you know, it was used to be 20% until January 1st of this year. So now the minimum requirement is 60% for uh, malt and, and no, 60% for hops and then 60% for all other ingredients. Um, and, you know, when, when we first got our farm license, we had to get our malt uh, from a maltster in Massachusetts. Yeah, Valley Malt, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, so we had to get our, our malt from them, and we, we had to make sure that they were giving us New York State-grown grains that were malted. So, you know, we don't, you don't grow malt, you grow grain, the grain is then malted. Um, so we, were, we had to source it from out of state, which was kind of an odd thing. But the good thing was kind of over each year, so the following year there was one maltster, then there was three, then there was seven. I think we have 13 or something now. So... You know, the, the purpose of the act was to incro, uh, encourage agriculture within uh, New York State, and you know those numbers support that. And and there's, I wish I had the actual numbers in terms of number of acres growing growing hops and and growing uh, grain at this point, but it's it's really you know uh, grown exponentially, and it, it's been you know it, pre-prohibition New York State was the number one hop producer in the country, mm-hmm. um, but you know uh, prohibition and spider mites and downy mildew and you know mm. a number of other things did us in. But we're we're back there, so we're. Uh, we're we're eking. I don't know. I don't, we're up a steep hill with the Pacific Northwest, but uh, we're we're making more and and better hops today than we were, you know, three five years ago. Support yeah. local. Great. And the, you guys want to weigh in on the quality of of the products? Um, anybody? I have no problem. I think I entered at a phase where New York had worked out its kinks, and we've only had flavorful beers come out. I've been. I mean, people ask us all the time, like, when did you have a beer that didn't work out the way you wanted to? And I can honestly say that we've never had that situation. I mean, we came close. (laughs) We came close with one beer that didn't really work. And it was actually a cider. And uh, we added New York craft malt 
to that cider and from re-fermented it and it was our smash beer last year and it was going like crazy during opening bash it was going like crazy um at randolph during the rupert's cup even though we lost because it wasn't any particular style it was a graph um and it did it sold out in the tap room faster than any beer to date and it's it's funny because that was the one beer that we had a hiccup with and we added some new york craft malt to it and it was fine just happy accidents. Well, that's great to hear. I mean, Matt, you know, how, how do you feel about the New York ingredients? And- yeah, I was talking to um, Ted from New York Craft at the uh, opening bash about I, I just since I've been here um, in New York City for a year and a half, how far the New York game has kind of come. Um, you know, I ordered hops last year, um, you know, that I didn't even know the alpha acid on. Uh, and now this year, there's the list uh, compared to last year of the hops you can order is you know, three times as long. So um, it's also really cool, um, you know, working with smaller places uh, like New York Craft. I had emailed Ted and I was like, hey, what kind of smoked malt do you offer? And he's like, whatever you want. I can literally make you whatever you want. I do it 30 pounds at a time. And I was like, that's awesome. Like, that's something that you can't get, you know, from the big suppliers, which is really neat. Um, but yeah, I think the, the total um, quality of the product is just, it's been through the roof. Um, and you know, I know you brewed in other states. You brewed in Pennsylvania Brewery. Mm-hmm. Um, wh- what are things you think the New York s- State, like you can talk about malt or hop industry, needs to do to keep growing, especially in terms of quality and transparency? Sure, yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's New York specific. I think it's just more East Coast specific, um, you know, not to stray too far from your question, but uh, Prohibition wiped out a lot of stuff on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, hops, apples. Uh, I mean, we used to be one of the biggest uh, cider apple growing places in the world. Uh, in Prohibition, they cut all t- cut down all the cider trees. and Shame. Plant, Say they, shame. Brooklyn. And they, and they plant, <laughs> planted culinary apple trees. So, I mean, it just goes to show, um, you know, the cider game in the United States is coming back. Um, the the uh, New York craft uh, hop and, and uh, malt game is coming back. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's it's not going to take long. You know what I mean? Uh, down. Uh, a year compared to a year ago we're already light years ahead and you know i'd say within the next five years they're going to be making some of the best stuff in the country so you know since uh, i think 2014 was one of the first beer weeks when a number of new york city breweries made a smash beer with new york ingredients i've found that it might might just be the nature of making a really small batch of beer with with really great ingredients for me i feel that every year some of the best beers I, i taste are the smash beers for beer week it's interesting how it's changed too because I remember that year in particular, um, the first time we all did the smash beer was, you know, there was definite like a definite terroir that that you know you would you know it's a, it's a wine term that mm-hmm. uh, wouldn't necessarily apply to us, but all of the beers had this kind of underlying you know characteristic to it which you mm-hmm. can't really identify, but mm-hmm. you know I think it all was attributed to the terroir of of New York State and. Um, well, I, you know, either I've adapted to it or, or, or the quality of the grain has changed. Maybe it was the malting. I, I don't know what it is, but uh, it's not as you know predominant as it once was. But it was, it, it was kind of, kind of neat uh, in that you know we had a flavor that we could identify as New York State. Um, and and you know, getting to uh, you know some of the points made earlier here, you know, the, about the hops when we when we first got our farm license, the only hops we could get from in state were whole leaf hops. So there was no pelletizing back then, and 
and it was a challenge and, and they and they mm-hmm. were grassy and, and it, it wasn't great and uh the, the quality has has only gone up and and you know people you know like, like ted on, on the malt side are, are really you know receptive and responsive to to brewers needs there's a conference every year where they they invite the brewers and the and the growers to kind of get together and let them you know let us tell them what it is we want and, mm. and you know cornell is, is playing a big role in that and kind of helping you know guide the, the growers into making things better that's great last thing one thing we're, we're taking a break in a second um second beer that we're drinking once again oh so uh, i didn't even start drinking it yet shame on yeah, me yeah it's uh, really good I, I i like it so the, the beer we were talking about earlier with uh, uh the jalapeno rye uh, so we did a barrel aged version of it so uh we aged it in rye whiskey barrels uh, from long island spirits out in uh, riverhead long island um, so, and for this particular batch, we also got uh, jalapenos grown from a small farm in Astoria in Queens, uh, Hellgate Farms. That's so great. So it's 100% New York State's ingredients in this one and uh, kind, of, kind of mellows out the jalapeno. With the All right. Milk. We got we got so much more to talk about. We'll be back in another minute on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Are you enjoying this podcast? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. It's Todd Shulkin, the host of Inside Julia's Kitchen here on HRN. Inside Julia's Kitchen carries on Julia Child's legacy of introducing the brightest lights in the food world to a wider audience, just as Julia did from her home kitchen. Look for Inside Julia's Kitchen wherever you listen to podcasts and on heritageradionetwork.org. Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey, guys, it's the 10th anniversary of HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Check it out. Lots going on this year, including the Hall of Fame. We're really proud that a number of our longtime guests uh, have been selected for the Hall of Fame, including Jeff Allworth of Bravana Blog, who's one of my favorite writers, uh, the author of Beer Bible. So congratulations, and there's going to be a lot more. Every month there's going to be new uh, Hall of Fame selections. So keep checking it out, heritageradionetwork.org. So we're, we're kind of talking about beer, but we're giving a little arc of, uh, of Big House Brewery and, and kind of what's happened in the New York City beer scene since 2013 and 14. Um, we're going on about New York State uh, farm brewery licenses and the smash beer. And Danny, you had a, you had a quick, quick question you're going to ask us um, right before the break. Oh, I was going to say that uh, I you think never you have... For, you're not for as short as your words. I think you? that you have uh, New York City's for, uh, smallest breweries in the house right now that we all started from very, you know, we're not going to take no for an answer means and we're going to build something that is going to make waves. And I think we each do something that make us stand out from the rest of the breweries in New York City. And we started from small means. I like, that's kind of where we went with, with Big Alice. Um and, and I have to say, also, that's a great point, Danny, because Coney Island, you know, whatever you say about it, Jeremy Cowan started it uh, kind of out of a garage. <laughs> is, that, is that Jeremy on the line? <laughs> no, I'm talking about the beer over here. Uh, D- Danny's celebrating. But, um, it's great. Well, how, how big are, are your spaces? If you want to, since you brought it up, Danny, 
Where do you want to go with that? So, uh, so my tap room is thirteen fifty. My courtyard is four fifty, and the brewery is nine fifty. And what about your tap room, Kyle? Right now, I don't know the tap room dimensions. I, I know our brewery and tap room is a thousand square feet. Uh, we talked about the hundred eighty square feet we added for our keg room, and then uh, about two years ago we added another four hundred square feet. So we're at about sixteen hundred right now. Yeah, we're killing it. Well, we tasted a couple great beers. We t- we tasted. Um, Two from Big Alice, and next we're going to be pouring Island to Island, and I think we're going to also taste the Coney Island. But I want to hear keeping this arc of kind of New York City brewing going. I want to keep it going with Kyle. Kyle, um, so now like the next the next phase is kind of like suddenly breweries are cool. People are investing money in them. Um, developments like Brooklyn, the Brooklyn Navy Yard, a guy's transmitter who is also one of the smallest breweries is now moving their entire operation to Brooklyn Navy Yard, which is going to be an awesome thing. One of my favorite brewers, Anthony Accardi. And you guys, Big well. Alice, you're actually working with, so again, about the New York State Farm Brewers license. You, you're working w- with an aspect of that and in, in opening an industry city. What is, what is that aspect of the Farm Brewers license? So as part of the Farm Brewers license, uh, we're allowed to o- open up to five branch offices, uh, which allows us to uh, more or less operate in the same capacity that we do in our, our current facility. If you if you brew in the other branch offices, you, you need uh, you know, federal approval, but we're not brewing in the space. So we actually can open tap rooms and uh, you know retail outlets to, to bring you know farm you know uh, products to the public. I always thought that was one of the greatest things about that law. I mean, who's taking advantage of it so far? I mean, Rockaway. Uh, Rockaway, you know, I know they definitely are. Um, you know. So we're we we're adding a space. Our space is opening on Friday, uh, on uh, March first. There are others. I, I know a number of them are upstate, but so I know within Sven, the city. Svendale. Right, we talked about Svendale. He's right. a Hudson Valley a farm brewery, and he's got a little location in Brooklyn. Is um, he open in the Brooklyn spot? Now? He just opened yeah. recently. Yeah, okay, near great. Carroll Gardens and Gowanus. Yeah, so not too far from from our spot. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, there's all these twerks. I I I just want to give it. It's New York City beer, but I really want to give a big shout out to New York State. And Governor Cuomo, I, I can say that now. It's not an election year. Um, I think I was I was lucky to be at the New York the New York State uh, Beer Wine Spirit Cider Summit back in uh, I think 2012 and 14, and just seeing this what they laid out and actually how it's happened has been amazing. And it's kind of why you guys are all in the room. Yeah, I, I mean, not too long ago, ten years ago, there were four breweries and. New York City fighting over market share. I can say it. Six Point in Brooklyn, Six Point Open in Brooklyn was mad at them because they were trying to take their lines and bars. You know, and now there's what thirty nine breweries. We're around forty, but yeah, it's. I mean, to your point, you know, five years ago we were fighting for bars to carry craft. You know, and and today we're fighting for them to carry local. Um, and and somebody even argue that we're fighting over which local line they're going to carry. So you know we've we've come a long way. And part of that is is brewery driven, but mostly it's consumer dri- driven. So as you know, consumers are asking for things that are locally made and locally sourced. Um, you know that that's where the farm you know farm act comes in great because not only is it made locally, but it's it's made with ingredients grown locally. Yeah, and this this next beer we have uh, it's from island to island. Actually, there's some spices in there, interesting flavors. Yeah, it's a oatmeal raisin cookie um, beer. Uh, we did it more on the crispy um, side of an oatmeal raisin cookie, so it has a little bit of toasted aroma t- uh, flavor to it. Um, and we kept it from being too creamy, like a chewy cookie, and more like a crispy toasted cookie coming out the oven. And you've got some interesting names for your beers. There's there's one, isn't there one about getting pregnant? Yeah, so this one is Milk Drunk, <laughs> which comes after the someone's going to get pregnant, which is Kevin's beer, a cranberry triple. And it worked, didn't it? 
No. No. Yes. No. <laughs> uh, the Cranberry Triple, I just wanted to make uh, something with high ABV, and I wanted to do a triple Belgium ale. And I love cranberries. Um, I know most people don't, but I like the tart and the... Uh, like the bitterness of it like me too yeah yeah for the beer i i didn't add too much hops what i hopped it with was the cranberry skin oh nice Seriously. that was left over from when i juiced it so that's what i used is Getting the bittering nice, tannins tannins nice bitterness yeah. from there yeah wow that's good stuff that one. And, then, and matt going back you know the rest of us can talk about new york state the farm brewing license um anything you want to say about that because I, f- I feel like new york state is really kind of a reach a special place yeah, you know? I I agree. I think um, we have the uh, the New York State Guild meeting uh, coming up here in uh, about a week, I think, a week and a half, uh, up in Albany. Uh, and I always look forward to going to that. Last year was my first time. And uh, it's just really cool to see t- uh, the people that are involved into making this stuff happen and the collaborative effort to kind of approach the government and say, hey, here's, here's what we're trying to do. Here's how it benefits the people in the state and, you know, the farmers in the state and the hop growers in the state. And I think that's super important, um, not only for the beer industry, you know, outside of that completely, um, you know, just – just from you know the community of people uh, that you know bust their bust their back every day to to try and make a living. Um, you know it's a it's a dying age this day and age. Um, you know farming and the, you know more cities are coming up and farms going away. And uh, to support an industry that that is kind of uh, trying to revitalize that, I think is really cool. So well, I think that everything that we're doing is the lesson is you have to keep going. And I'm gonna give my political spiel for New York State. I know about over 15 years ago there was one guy. Dave Kataleski, who was the, the founder and owner of Empire Brewing up in Syracuse, he happened to uh, be pushing for New York State beer reforms way back when. He was kind of a one-man operation, ran the New York State Brewers Association before there was funding of any kind. And um, he kind of started it all, led to the governor having a summit and providing funding. And with funding, you know, the, the New York State Brewers Association was able to hire someone, Paul Leon, and, and grow. And a, a lot of things happened. The New York State Liquor Authority made a lot of reforms that were overdue since, since Prohibition. And then I think my lesson for New York, the New York City Brewers is what we're seeing is, I remember, Kyle, in 2014, you guys were newly formed. You just took over for Beer Week. And now I want to say, I want to raise my glass and make a cheer to the New York City Brewers Guild because what you guys have done is, is what, what, what it, it's hard. It is a lot of changes and a lot of growth and challenges. But I will say this year with the opening bash, the number of out-of-state and uh, you know, non-New York City brewers participating, and I'm sure the number of collaborations that was done this week, and I know uh, you guys at Big Alice did something on Friday, is amazing. So let's just toast to the fact that th- there is a vision, and, and as things grow, there, it, it's not always uh, pleasant. There's a lot of competition, but we can just say, wow, uh, finally New York City and New York State beers are on the map. So let's toast to that one. Cheers, for sure. Cheers. And on that note, this is an official uh, New York City Beer Week event. Uh, we had a, a listener. Uh, just introduce yourself quickly. So you, you, <laughs> you read about this on the New York City uh, Beer Week listing when I posted it. And thank you, Kyle, for your guys putting it up. Right. Um, I'm just a fan of New York beer in general. And I'm just trying to keep tabs on what's going on this week. And I found myself in a very small recording studio uh, drinking beer with all these really wonderful people and uh, craftsmen. So, And what's your name? My name is Will. Well, and yeah. are you a home brewer at all, or? Uh, I have home brewed. Uh, I'm a cook at large, uh, recreationally, but 
I do a lot of baking, which is a form of magic in itself. Um, fermentation is a really special thing, and the way you can kind of guide different influences to let yeast do its magic is... Uh, and you, you were nodding your head when Kevin was talking about using the, the cranberry skins. Right, well, it's all related. I mean, between wine, um, you know, grape skins and uh, skin contact for added tannin, um, and just adding in different parameters to make something um, interesting and expressive. And uh, the fact that you guys are all doing this is is awesome. Great, man. Thanks for joining us. Do you, do you, if you have a question, do you have a question for one of the brewers or for the group? Uh, you don't have to. Yeah. <laughs> probably a lot, but you guys should just keep rolling. Okay. Now, Matt, you just did you just pour us uh, another beer? Yeah, I, uh, I I brought this to you last week, but I figured since some uh, some new folks here this week, I'd bring it again. And given that it's our smash beer, why not? Um, so chocolate rhizome. It's a uh, uh, as same as Kevin's all New York State ingredients. Uh, we used uh, two row Vienna chocolate rye and unmalted rye, all from New York Craft uh, from Ted over there, um, and then some nugget hops from upstate. Uh, and it, it turned out really cool. Nine percent ABV and. Um, we're excited about it. That's I think a this, sneaky nine. Yeah. <laughs> Kyle, I'm going to ask you, this is a pretty nice progression of taste. We started with, let's go through what we tasted one more time. Your smash beer. So our smash beer, which is called Agriculture, the five-way club, 100% New York State uh, IPA. Then we went to our jalapeno rye, our barrel-aged jalapeno rye and rye whiskey barrels. Amen. And then the island to island. The oatmeal raisin milk drunk. That was a nice change with like d- different flavors. And now back to... Chocolate rhizome, yeah. Yeah, this is a good, nice little tasting, guys. Yeah, it was a, a nice Great order. Light. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, worked well, out pretty well. Well done, Jimmy. You <laughs> <laughs> totally orchestrated that, right? Well, you know. Enjoying but uh, last thing, Kyle. So, you know, you guys, the New York State Farm Brewers License, you guys are opening a satellite office, Industry City. So by the time you listen to the show, you could probably go out there. Brooklyn Coors there, which is making sake. I mean, it's pretty really exciting. We know my, my buddy... Uh, Billy Durney from Hometown Barbecue is opening. It's commissary and uh, a Hometown Barbecue uh, deli place. It's a beautiful space. I've yeah, no, there. there's some good people out there doing good stuff. Um, I'm going to go out there. It's going to be packed on Saturdays. You know that. Um, but let's just wrap it up. So, you, you know, by you expanding to this other location, just tell us a little bit about that. We have a few minutes. The challenges, you know, how, how it impacts your business. I mean, you've you're got a small brewery in Queens still. Are you going to be able to keep up with production? So that's probably our biggest biggest challenge. Um, we're, I mean, we're obviously relying on on the uh, the public for their support, and and, and it's been great. Demand for a beer has been awesome, but um, you know, South Brooklyn is is kind of starving for for breweries and and uh, craft beer bars. So you know, kind of we talked about you know the situation a number of years ago. Uh, that's kind of what's happening there, but we're seeing it uh, kind of develop uh, over time. We've been working on the space for a little over a year, uh, getting in there and, and operational. But yeah, I, you know, to your point, or getting back to your question, the, the biggest challenge I expect us to face is is making enough beer. Um, you know, we're we're doing a nice volume out of our, our tap room in Queens. We expect to do some multiple of that out of our uh, spot in Brooklyn. But then, as a New York State farm brewery license, you can also sell other New York State yeah, beers so too. If you need more beer, you can buy beer in our, our Brooklyn spot. Actually, in both spots now, uh, we also offer New York State cider. We offer New York State wines. Uh, Rooftop Reds would be a great uh, guest for your show, Jimmy. By the yeah, way, yeah. they're they're doing great stuff here in, in Brooklyn. Um, but yeah, so there's you know a, a lot of you know other things we can do spirits. We're still steering away from that in our you know, New York State spirits uh, from our tap room. I, I, I'm trying to keep us away from being a bar and more of a tap room, but um, you know it's not out of the question for us. 
Yeah, that's we can talk about that'll be a whole other show. We'll talk about uh, why does beer compete with liquor? You know, when you have a bar, that's another show. Uh, Matt, yeah, real quick, I think um, you know my wife and I were lucky enough to to come last week uh, when you guys had your event, and uh, the space is really cool. And uh, to your point about South Brooklyn breweries, like Coney Island is really outside of. Um, I guess you can consider uh, is Coney Island, Brooklyn. Yes, it is. <laughs> is Rockaway, Brooklyn, or Queens? Rockaway yes. is Queens. Ah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's about as far south in Brooklyn as you can get. But, um, you know, between us and... Is Evil Twin Brewing in Brooklyn or Queens? Queens. Queens. Ridgewood. Brewing is in Queens. <laughs> yes, their tap room is not. Yeah, but uh, between us and Five Burrows, um, you know, we've always, we've always been friends. And um, to have that kind of uh, presence from you guys coming into, into South Brooklyn, I think, is, is huge because... We've been trying for years and years and years to show that, you know, craft beer is in South Brooklyn and it's good. Um, and to have more people kind of bring light to that, I think, is awesome, uh, especially in your space. It's really, really cool. And uh, we're Thank looking you. to working with you guys to, to kind of grow that. That's great. And you guys, Kevin, Danny, want to wrap anything about your Flatbush location? Um, Anything for the future? Logger and Jerk Wing Fest on Saturday. Tell me again, because I'm, 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 you got to go. This is Yeah, we're going to have four loggers on. We're doing IPL. Saturday, Dunkle, March. Vienna, and a Commons. March 3rd? March 2nd. March 2nd. Yeah, come and drink. Get your tickets now so that you can drink all night. More at the door, of course. What are the best trains to that part of Brooklyn? 25QB. Okay. Yeah, and we have that bus, the 49 and the 44, direct from Williamsburg. And last, area just last down. week, you said you said you you you're brewing four lagers yes. for this event. Yes. And I think that sounds great. Yeah. But do you think anyone's is anyone shaking their head that that's oh, not the right? Oh thing? yeah, there was someone shaking their head at us uh, for sure. <laughs> I, I'm shaking my head because we had to get it done in a month and. Being out of state, it was a little difficult. So I find myself this week having to rack three different beers and get it in kegs and Super get it ready to go. Yeah. But but I have to say, Kevin and Renee, I want to shout out to them, my team members. They've really been buckling down and getting these loggers out. I was here taking care of the ferments while they were brewing, changing the temperatures, making sure it was regulated. And they are literally on deck this week, making sure that they get out of the fermenters into the bright tank. Matt, I kegs. think we're going to the Jerk Wing and Lager Fest on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> All right, so everyone, this has been a great show. Guys, again, uh, New York City Beer Week. Um, it's, it's so great to be able to talk to you guys a little more in depth. I know it's a, it's a very busy week for everybody, and this has been the highlight of my week. On Thursday, I'm going to be at The Gate, Brooklyn, going back to old school beer bars, uh, Good Beer Seal tradition, which kind of started all this stuff in 2009. Um, there's going to be a number of beer bar owners from around the state who now are brewers. So there's Thin Man, uh, Rare Form, and Alewife. All of them were, were former longtime. Uh, if you heard of The Ruck in Albany, he's got a brewery. You heard of uh, Mike Schatzel in Buffalo, he's got Thin Man Brewery, and you got Crazy Patrick Donner. I can say that Crazy Patrick Donner is Alewife Brewery. I'm going so. there from here. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, it's, it's been great. So, guys, everyone, just one more time, just say your name, and let's go around the room, and we're going to close it out. Sure. Matt McCall, uh, head brewer Coney Allen. Kyle Hurst, Big Alice Brewing Company. Uh, Kevin Brathwaite, Island Island Brewery. Danny Oliver, Island Island Brewery. Will Howard, Recreational Baker. All right. <laughs> I love that. Bacon thanks, and brewing. Yeah. Um, because thanks for joining us. Big shout out, producer Justin Kennedy, engineer uh, Matt Patterson, intern and assistant producer Dylan Hoyer. Thanks for joining us. I'm Jimmy Carboni, the host here on Heritage Radio Network. We'll catch you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Whoop. Yes, baby.
Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter. Our handle is at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com forward slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the AHRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.